What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Fear Being Average podcast, episode number 34. This episode, we have Karina Coffin. She is a professional OCR competitor, so an obstacle course racer. She's a Spartan pro athlete, registered dietitian, and nutrition coach. We talk everything from her training to performing at such a high level as a professional athlete. If you don't know obstacle course racers or Spartan athletes, they are some of the most fit individuals on the planet. She also competed at the 2018 CrossFit Games. So Karina has an incredible diversity and portfolio of being a high-level athlete and, of course, managing her nutrition, managing her lifestyle, and balance towards living a highly optimal life. So again, on this episode, we go over everything from balancing her values and enjoyment with being a high-level competitor with healthy nutritional approaches, lessons that have helped Karina's outlook in life, as well as goal setting, structuring a productive, fulfilling day, and the thrill of taking on new and exciting challenges and experiences, something I'm super passionate about. So this was an awesome chat we had. Super excited for you guys to check it out. And like always, be sure to subscribe, like, and share. That's the way this podcast grows. And of course, we get the opportunity to educate more and more people. So check it out. Episode 34 today. Enjoy, and we'll see you on the next one. Here we go, guys. Podcast is live officially. Um, I always tell the guests that if we're, we usually have like a mini conversation before the podcast even starts. So it's a good opportunity for to, for us to talk organically and for the, the viewers to hear it. So what, what were you going to say? I was going to ask if you did your big swim yet. Yeah. Yeah, I did it all. So it was... Um, yeah, I felt... It was all of it. The whole... The whole shebang. It, it, yeah. fe- it feels like a long time ago, but it's only probably like, what, five, five weeks ago, which... I don't know. I guess it's somewhat of a long time ago, but uh, yeah, I did it. It was uh, way harder than I thought the swim part, at least of it, um, because again, I've never swam ten k. I've never gone for four or five hours, like just just swimming in um, open water. And uh, yes, yeah, just the last hour and a half of it was a bit of a just you know your neck and traps are just totally tight and tense, so all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, then we jumped into the bike and the run and then, then the lift portion of it. It was just uh, a whole lot. Yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty wild. And so for training for this, like, did you, what, I mean, I know I was, I was perusing your Instagram, of course, and you're, you know, just reading some things online. But um, I mean, were you just do tying yourself to a tree for or trying to treat yourself for a lot of your training, like, or were you just honestly no? Because um, last so last year I took on um, Canada's strongest triathlon or triathlon, so I was the first person in, in Canada to do a triathlon with a tree, like the whole right. thing, so the bike, the run, and the swim. And early on to my training, it was like one of those things that I just realized training with the tree was just very stressful on the body, where it was doing more damage than good. So I would do very yeah. short periods of just kind of getting used to it so like i would do maybe um you know a thousand meter swim with the, with the tree big like, all right like this is how it feels feels comfortable it's not too much resistance i know i can add a few more kilometers onto this and then same thing for for a run in the bike right just got comfortable with it like tried to find my stabilization on the bike with the tree because uh, that was the thing that i knew was going to be the most um, difficult was just going uphill you couldn't really stand because just slight tilt one way or the other with the tree and it really kind of shifts your balance. 
So it was just kind of getting used to doing all those disciplines with the tree. Um, mm-hmm. And then knowing if I tried going out and doing like a two hour ride or going out and doing a, you know, a seven kilometer run with it, it was only going to, you know, kind of hampen my training. You know, I, I was kind of one of those understanding of going into it a little bit under trained, but knowing I could push my body to that degree. Right, I was doing enough training where I felt really comfortable with it, and then knowing, okay, what's another hour with the tree and all those disciplines. Yeah, there's just there's some. Sorry, is my is it my audio that does it hear? Does it sound funny for you? No, no, you're you're good on my okay. end. I just wanted to make sure that was good. Yeah, I was just gonna say like there's just some things that you don't train for. You know, you just you just it ha- like sleep deprivation too. Like it's gonna multi day event. I don't know. Maybe you do, but I was just having this conversation because I'm um, as I was saying beforehand, I'm. I've applied to do the eco challenge for, you know, next year for 2021. And that's going to be in Patagonia, but um, like you don't really sleep and it's like 10 days long and you're doing 600 kilometers with, you know, various, in various disciplines. And so like I was talking with my brother the other day, he's like, so like, how are you going to train for like, are you going to get minimal hours of sleep for a week and like just do hard stuff? And I was like, um, nope, that's not the plan. Like, I, I mean, yeah, I definitely need to maybe pull some all nighters to training events, but maybe like, you know, maybe 24, 48 hours, but I'm not gonna, again, there's, you get to a point where you just, you're, you're doing more damage, mm-hmm. more harm than good. Um, and you know, ideally you just do, you get the event done and it takes a big toll on your body, but you're not looking to do that. Like, you know, several times prior to the big event. No, because especially with like ultras like that, it just takes so much time to recover from. Like, an, right. if you run a hundred miles, like the the best strategy and kind of like the a well known protocol after that is to take, you know, a day off or uh, however many ten miles you did. So if it's a fifty miler, ideally five days to recover. A hundred miler, ten days to recover. So it's the same thing. If you're training for a hundred mile run, you're not banging out, you know, a hundred mile training session in preparation for that. You're like, okay, I'm gonna do like. 70 or 100 miles during the week maybe like three weeks out and then i'm just going to figure out once i get into it my body's prepared enough to handle the stress and then you just figure it out right that was my at least approach to it where it was never you know i'm not going to sleep deprive myself and feel like crap going into the event i wanted to feel as healthy as possible knowing okay i put the work in to to finish it and get through it um and you know and, and feel really good going into it right yeah Totally. Okay, so let's um, let, let's jump into you a little bit. All right, enough of, enough about right. me. Everyone knows about me, I guess, right on this podcast. So <laughs> you're you're the guest. So you are. I'm going to run through your credentials first off the bat. Okay, um, okay. you're Spartan Pro Team, Team Ultra Athlete, still correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you're a registered dietitian, which is awesome. We're going to jump into a lot about nutrition and performance yeah. today and well being. Uh, an OCR and CrossFit Games competitor, Virginia Tech grad. Um, and then we're going to go over your, your accomplishments. So you're going to get a big, bigger, big head right now. Okay. Uh, so Karina placed second at the 2014 Spartan race world championships. Since then she has placed first and second at the 2017 and 28, 2018, sorry, tough Mudder X championships, as well as compete on teams of the 2018 CrossFit games. She's currently a member of the Spartan pro team. Most recently took the women's overall 2019 Spartan stadium series title and there's you had a crazy 2019 looking at there second place first was, place first place first place first place first place <laughs> um, so you crushed it out uh, which is amazing congratulations on on all your hard work and that, that you achieved at such a high level um, so take us a little bit through that that was a whole bunch uh, for people to take in and just uh, I don't think if people don't know 
the amount of physical fitness this requires to perform at such a high level to give people a little bit of an understanding. Um, when I, my first year that I was training for ultras, I, I signed up for a Spartan race the next year. And in my head, I was like, okay, I'm a really strong guy, pound for pound for who I am. Um, and I've done, I do ultras. So I'm like, I'm going to go out there and like crush the Spartan race. <laughs> like like for, for some reason I had this like mentality. I'm like, yo, I'm probably going to place at this thing because I'm like really pound for pound strong and I've done ultras. And when I went there and just saw the people shoot out of the gates going uphill, up the mountain, I was like, damn, this is, this is a different level. And again, it just shows the specificity towards a certain type of event. But I was, I gained a much greater appreciation for the level of fitness those require. So yeah, take it away, Karina. Yeah, it's funny you say that. um, Because, um, yeah, it's the obstacle course racing is such a hybrid of endurance and and strength but i'd say you know it's it's definitely i'd say 75 percent aerobic like endurance and then you know the strength the strength the obstacles you know they're definitely a big portion of it um and there's not a whole lot of super fast ultra endurance racers that um you know have the that also kind of train strength training a little bit more so yeah that's that was something uh coming into the sport that i really admired and i enjoyed the versatility of the training because i think if you take some of the top OCR athletes, you know, guys and girls, their training can look so different, but they, you know, ultimately all compete at a very high level in the sport. And so I like how everyone's training is different. I know my training took on early on back in 2014. Um, So I was in college, my senior year of college, when I did the 2014 um, Spartan race world championship. And that was my first, that was my first, um, really my first season of racing because I did a handful of Spartan races the summer before and then the world championships always in the fall and so I was in school I was like a month and a half into school I was like you know what I'll fly to Vermont and do this world championship like I think that'd be a good time um and I really just I really surprised myself I was hoping I could get top 10 like top 10 would have been really great and then I found myself in the lead for the majority of the race and it's funny because I am a dietitian it just it's ironic and so funny that my fueling plan sucked in that race I look back and I'm like oh my god it could have been it could have been a different outcome because I lost you know it's a four hour took me four hours and 22 minutes to run that 15 plus mile um Spartan race you know and and so when it was um, like looking back in my fueling strategy or lack of fueling strategy, um, it was just like the, 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 I didn't, I really didn't eat that much at all. And so just, I'm like losing by two minutes could have been, you know, one failed obstacle, 30 burpees is that two minutes. And so mm-hmm. I think it really could have, um, could have been a different story had I, had I applied that a little bit better, but it's been fun because the past six years have been, um, kind of an evolution of, sport that just kind of went along with what I was interested in. Uh, I think in the beginning it was so much like longer distance, um, true obstacle course racing. And then, um, I was training a little bit of CrossFit at the time. And then I started to get a little bit burnt out on the obstacle course races and, and wanted to try my hand at CrossFit. And so with an injury and ending the end of my ending a season a little bit early in 2016, I decided for 2017 and 18, I would, um, focus on, CrossFit specifically. And that's when I went to regionals back to back years and then made it to the games in 2018. And so that was just kind of fun to totally switch gears, get 
try to get really strong. I had some awesome teammates that um, helped carry me through. Uh, I mean, we were not expecting to go to the games whatsoever. We, we weren't even expecting to do that well at regionals, but we just had really such a great team and such a great respect for one another and a good work ethic. And we, you know, in those team sports, it really does, you know, those team dynamics play a big part in it. And so, yeah, we had a really special team. And then the last, you know, since then, so 2018, 2019 was a fun year to just kind of step back into the obstacle course racing world. I kind of missed branching out with my training into trail running and getting outside more. Um, Cause I felt like, um, I felt like I was in the gym constantly training for the games, like four hours a day and grab out my life. And so I just wanted to take it out into the mountains, which is because I'm in Salt Lake City right now. And it is a beautiful place. And we wanted to kind of kind of branch out with our fitness and apply it in other areas, not just like training in the gym to be strong in the gym. Yeah, I follow a lot of athletes uh, out of Utah, and like ironically, I think everyone I've I've approached, um, athlete wise, a lot of them have been out of Utah that have been on my podcast. I'm like, I don't know what's uh-huh. go- I don't know what's going on down there, but it seems like everybody's <laughs> like a super athlete. Um, and I look at the Instagram and I look at their training weekends. Um, you might you probably know Ben Light. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I know, so, I'm familiar with him. Yeah, he's um ultra no, he's um a gnarly nutrition athlete and he's uh right. he takes on some crazy projects and he's an ultra um ultra runner himself. And you know, his training weekends you look at like where he's at and like the picturesque view and setting and I'm like, Oh my god, like it's it's crazy how beautiful and it's right in your backyard, right? And then you're probably hours away from so many amazing spots to get out that the temptation to be like only locked in a gym would probably make you go crazy because you have so much at your disposal to like get out there and and train and run. So when you were competing um, in CrossFit, now were you someone who was just like completely dialed in to okay, well this is the best way to train for CrossFit, so I'm not going to do anything outside of what's going to take my attention away because I I know some athletes and that's one thing I've had a hard time with is that I like to do so many things that like I my goal was never to become a great great endurance athlete because I'm like I just love being strong and I love having mm-hmm. muscle that I'm like I'm not going to give those things up to be the, uh, an elite endurance athlete it just it wouldn't align with my values so I kind of created a niche where I'm like okay I'm going to blur two different sports inside of things I'm going to create my own events and challenges I'm going to still compete in those you know, ultras and do those in the triathlons, but not go in there to win, just really compete, but then create my own niche. Um, Was it hard for you or were you still like getting out there in the trail where like, obviously you're a very outdoors um, type of person, but so were you blurring those at all or? You know, um, 2018 was, was a very focused year, mostly on CrossFit. I would say like that was looking back. I mean, and it's, it's hard to say, cause I don't know if I had that approach where I was doing a little bit, of everything, getting outside on the trails, like mountain biking, doing a bunch of snowboarding. Like I, I don't think I probably would have, you know, we would have gotten to the level that we competed at. And so, um, you know, 2018 was very much, you know, solely focused on CrossFit, which, you know, looking back kind of kicking myself because it is such a beautiful place, but I really feel like this year, which is my third year in Salt Lake city, um, this is my first true year really enjoying what all Utah has to offer, which is a little bit of a shame to say, cause it's, you know, it's, it's two years went, went by before that, but at the same time, you know, I would not have trade, you know, the, the CrossFit and the games experience and the team 
dynamics during that year for anything, but it definitely was time to step away from that come 2019. And so, um, you know, with the open, that was the last year that the CrossFit open was in February. And so that really just took, or end of January started. And that just really took up your whole winter. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, Oh, you go snowboarding, your legs are trashed for, you know, if you go over the weekend, then, you know, come Monday, you can't, you can't redo a workout. And then like Thursday is, is, you know, five weeks is a long time for that CrossFit open to, um, to occur. And, and just so, so yeah, it took off a lot of the fun stuff outside of the gym. Everything I did was like, how is this going to affect my, my, um, you know, my, my training in the gym. And so now it's totally different. Now I enjoy doing a little bit of CrossFit, a little bit of, you know, ma- a lot of mountain biking, actually it's the trail running. And so it's been just fun to literally just do what I feel like doing finally. And, you know, maintaining a really good level of fitness, I feel like, but also kind of mental sanity too, mm-hmm. especially with 2020 being, you know, the year it is, it's, it's been fun to challenge myself in a lot of different ways. Um, but still find that fitness piece still, you know, very much like, I feel like I could go out and, Oh, sure. I could compete in a CrossFit competition if I wanted to nothing super crazy, but like I could do that. Or like, if there's a triathlon, cool. Yeah. Let's go do that. Or, you know, an obstacle course race. I'm ready. So I like being prepared for kind of all, all things. Yeah. And again, that's part, that is part of the sacrifice. Like, like you said, like you can't perform at that high of a level necessarily if you're not giving the majority of your attention to that thing. Like if you're trying to, you know, catch two birds, uh, or I don't know what the saying is. Um, <laughs> um, but catch, yeah, catch, catch two rabbits at the same time. Right. Like you're, you're not going to, you're not going <laughs> to catching two birds would probably be even harder. Try to catch one bird. Um, yeah. If we're trying to catch two rabbits at the same time, like it's just not going to happen. Right. And it's almost like, yeah. well, I want to become, you know, super muscular, but I want to have, you know, 8% body fat, or I want to put a whole bunch of muscle on, but I want to lose a whole bunch of fat. And it's like, well, yeah. those things don't necessarily really work well together. Like it just, you know, sometimes you got to focus your attention on one thing mm-hmm. to get the best result rather than trying to chase multiple disciplines or, or goals at the same time. And then looking at your hand at the end of the year and being like, well, I didn't accomplish any of them, but I have 60% right. done here, 60% done there. And, and you haven't really had anything uh, done to the, the full capacity that you thought was possible. Right. So, right. but then it goes back to really enjoying yourself, right? Like not, cause again, I think a lot of athletes, um, and it seems like you have a pretty good head on your shoulders, but sometimes they get so strict with what they're training and what their goals are that they stop having fun. And, and, yeah. and, and, and it's and sad to see that, right. Where they're pursuing a goal all in, but they're not enjoying their training. They're, they're miserable with what they're eating and their nutrition. And then everything's dependent on how they do, at a certain competition and at a certain point you got to ask the question like what's this all about like you're, you're you you jumped into this thing to have fun yes i'm i'm a competitor you know at heart right i, I love competition but at the same time I, i've got to the point where i'm like i i can't allow that to be the thing that just like completely drives me insane if i'm if i'm a high achiever i'm happy if i don't achieve i'm sad like i can't allow that to be be my life and i think it just takes a a special type of awareness to be a high level achiever and athlete but also have the awareness to take care of the mental side of things right absolutely that that desire to come compete is like is such a huge part of staying competitive at the top of your sport and i feel like so many athletes, yeah, they, they're like, okay, I got to stay at the top. And, you know, so then their, their training just narrows down to a very, you know, very specific regimen, which it's a tricky balance. Like you said, it's, it's necessary in some capacity to, 
you know, follow a specific plan that's going to get you to the top of that specific sport and that discipline. But then at the same time, if mentally you're checked out because you've just been doing that for so long and you're going so hard, you're going to burn out early. And then, you know, that, that could be several years, you know, where you, instead of staying in that sport for several years and staying, you know, very close to the top. Now it's like, all right, two years and you're done or three years and you're done. And so I feel like for me, it's, um, you know, kind of juggling, okay, what is specific enough in my training to keep me at a, at, you know, in the top, you know, state, you know, like I want to be in podium contention at, you know, every race or competition I do, but what's going to allow me to keep the mental engagement high? Because to me, that's, I always, fitness is such a huge part of my life and, and just health in general, whether it's nutrition, exercise. Um, and so like all of those things are, are so important to me. So if I ever got to a point where I'm just like not excited to move my body in some way, shape or form, like that, that's a big, that's a big issue. Like that's beyond, you know, me winning a race or, or not. It's like, that's, that's just, um, you know, that's going to affect my life in general. And so right now I've just been really, um, like I said, I've just been really enjoying, uh, switching things up, keeping, keeping myself engaged. And I really just wake up every day. My boyfriend is, um, he's always been doing my, my coaching for me. He's and my programming and all this stuff. But so how is he, that? Let's, I want to quickly, how, how, <laughs> how, how do you, how do you manage to, to separate boyfriend from trainer? Cause this is my, 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 gr- my girlfriend is going to listen to this podcast and <laughs> this is a question for her. Cause I can, I, I'm trying to get my standard out of her and let her have fun. And she's got big goals, but I'm really trying to play both sides. So you tell me you've yeah. been doing it. seems like you've been successful. You know, but it's hard. Like it's, that's, you make a really good point. Cause it's, it's not easy all the time. And I always, you know, joke with around with my boyfriend, but it's like when, when we train together, it's almost like, okay, the boyfriend role is removed for that hour or two that we're together. And he is full on coach and I freaking hate him for it sometimes. Like, it's just, I want to be, I, sometimes I want to be babied a little bit. I want to be like, Oh, like you're doing great, but it's, I don't get it. And I think while I can be pissed, you know, pissed off about that during the time, I always am grateful that, oh, it's like, oh yeah, he, it's kind of like, you know, you have like, it, for me personally, like my dad was hard on us, my, my brothers and I growing up and we're just like, I had time for, I just hated my dad. Like what, you know, he made us work so hard and do all these things that no other, like none of my other friends were doing. But like, now I look back and I'm just like, wow, I'm so glad we were raised that way. Cause it has translated so much into how you know, the things I do now and my work ethic and all this stuff. So similarly, like with having your boyfriend as your coach too, it's, you know, you hate him for it at the time. Maybe you're pissed off. Maybe that's not, you know, what you were looking for in the workout session, but then afterwards. And then when I, when I work out by myself, he's in my head, like, you know, go harder. Don't lock, lock out all the way. Like don't cheat your reps. Um, you know, stop complaining, just grind it. Like, you know, one, one movement at a time. And I find that that, has really helped me with my mental fortitude in my training. And then obviously that applies in my, in my, you know, actual events or competitions. So it's a hard dynamic. I'm not going to lie. There's days that are better and worse, but it's, it's for me, it's a healthy, like it's, it's what I need. And I'm, I'm grateful for, for that. And he does a great job at what I was going to say beforehand too, is we, um, he's really helped me with his programming. Like I don't have a, list of seven days 
going out of like what I'm doing. Oh, what am I doing tomorrow? And the next day after that. And I think a lot of um, coaches and athletes, like they have that kind of agenda where they have, they know what their training looks like for the next week or two, or even more than that. Because I live with Taylor, we live together. He's my coach. We, he's helped me this year, really. Like we wake up and it's like, okay, how's your body feeling? What's, you know, what's sore? What's tired? How's your mental state and we kind of adopt a game plan Mm. from there like the morning of and i know that that's not a luxury most people have it it, it's you know there's there's you know a structure with with work and you know everything else kids maybe and you know family life everything else going on so i get that that's a luxury that i have currently that many people don't but it's i really enjoy that because even when you know if he's at work for a couple days he's a firefighter so he's several days at work, like, and I have to come up with my own stuff. I do the same thing. I wake up, I'll check in. Like, what am I feeling? Am I totally beat down? Do I need a rest day? Or, um, you know, is my upper body completely shot? Do I need to focus on lower body? How, like, what do I feel for intensity? Is it going to be an intense day? Do I have a high, a high amounts of energy to give in this workout? Or am I feeling like I need to kind of p- take the layers back a little bit and kind of, you know, 60, 70%. And so I, I've really, I feel like that has allowed me to um, stay engaged, like I said, mentally and physically with my training for the long haul, as opposed to being super motivated all in for like a handful of weeks and then being like needing a, a huge off season to decompress. Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough balance, right? It really is. You want to enjoy yourself and you want to keep things interesting and exciting but then you also need to kind of follow this plan of attack. You can't go in there like completely, you know, loosey goosey with it and kind of be like, right, I'm going to do whatever today. Cause then there's like the idea of progressive overload and you actually kind of like working on certain mechanics and then you getting stronger based on what the movements you have been doing. So, but at the end of the day, it goes back to like, you don't want to be someone who at the, you know, you're, you're counting down the days till you retire, you know? And it's <laughs> even like that for athletes. I had a, a podcast guest on and she probably the most bubbly girl I've, I've, I've had on my podcast and she was so super excited and loved her training. And she just kind of, you know, oozed enthusiasm. And she was talking about how a lot of other tri- triathletes would be like, man, I can't wait to like never jump on a bike again, or I can't wait to never run again. She's like, like, don't, aren't you doing this? Cause you love to do it. Like it shouldn't become one of those things that you're like, I can't wait to not work out again. Right. Where it's like, these are things that are, we all love doing it, but it can really quickly turn into something that we start resenting if we're not approaching it with with a healthy mentality so going off what we kind of talked about in terms of balance um and having that balance of enjoyment but also still you know competing in a high level um talk about nutrition a little bit i think a lot of people when they think nutrition and they think diets there's this stigma with diets that they're going to restrict themselves and they're going to hate what they're going to eat and they're not going to enjoy the foods they're going to eat that they're going to have to be you know, removing themselves from eating anything they ever enjoy again, where obviously that's not a sustainable or, or healthy approach to longevity or, or eating properly. So what's your take as, as a dietitian, someone who's obviously, you know, around clientele all the time and you're, you're navigating this, uh, the, the murky waters. What's, what's your take on that? Yeah, it's, it's funny because I feel like when people ask me, like, oh, like, how do you eat or what's your nutrition like? I'm like, I, I eat everything. Like, I, there's nothing out there. Maybe pork rinds. I probably won't eat pork rinds. But, like, <laughs> you know, there's not many things that I won't eat. But I would say 
I mean, do I eat a lot of plants? Like, absolutely. Like I, I, I focus on, on health, but I absolutely enjoy having maybe foods that just, you know, aren't really providing me with a ton of nutrition, but at the same time, like they're, they are important in terms of they're almost like your soul food. I like to call like, it's just good, good for the soul. And it's good to have that sometimes. And I feel like exactly what you said, people who, um, when they think about nutrition, they're, they automatically think about like all the things that they shouldn't or, or, or can't, can't eat in order to achieve a certain goal. And I think that, um, with my clients, I really try to focus on your relation relationship with food. Um, because that at the end of the day, like it's not, it's, it's, you know, whether it's a sugar addiction or, you know, you have a, a sweet tooth that you just like, when you have ice cream, you just can't stop eating it. Like that's, that's a issue in terms of, you know, that, that goes to your relationship with that food. And there's a reason that that's, you know, that's, that's a little bit not messed up, but askew. And I think that, um, the way to address that or looking at your history with that food or just food in general, it's like, you know, have you gone through phases of like severe restriction and then, you know, oh, and then binging or overindulgent indulgence in it only to feel like you need to give yourself a restriction on that again. So I feel like that's a really unhealthy, uh, kind of way to go about looking at food intake and not. So if there's, if I have a client who, you know, has a sweet tooth or has a, um, a love for a very specific food item, like I make sure that that's incorporated in, in some way, shape or form. And to some extent in their nutrition so that they don't have this like, uh, binge restriction bridge kind of, um, approach with, with that food. And I feel like that helps, um, in many ways. And, um, like I said, like the relationship, it, it really just comes down to the relationship with food. Are you being a little bit more open-minded about foods that you need to start including more in your diet instead of like, I I'm totally against, or my approach is so not about the restriction mentality. It's all about inclusion. Okay. What's your, what's your nutrition missing? Like, what could you use more of? Let's start incorporate more of those foods. And by incorporating, you know, more of those foods that are health promoting, then, you know, inevitably that's going to lead to a decrease in some of those other foods that maybe aren't highly nutritious and not really contributing a whole lot to your health. So that's kind of just in general, that's kind of like the approach that I like to use with clients for me personally, that's, um, you know, I, I, I'm not someone who tracks my intake all the time. I, you know, spot check a little bit to know, okay, like, you know, where's my protein range, you know, what's my protein range? At? Am I, you know, am I getting enough to support my activity? How are my carbohydrates? Are they enough to fuel, you know, the intensity that I'm trying to achieve with my workouts? Um, how's my recovery? If my recovery is crap, I need to add, you know, first thing I look at is, you know, more carbohydrates. And so it's unfortunate with how, you know, um, social media or just media in general is so diet based, fad diet based. Like it's just keto, this low carb, this paleo, this, and it's just, I really hate those types of boxes that people and, um, and kind of categories that people throw out there. And, and it, there's a lot of misinformation around those. So now you just take your average Joe who didn't maybe didn't take our nutrition course. And now they're like, okay, well, I, I guess I got to go paleo or keto or you know that's the craze these days well the which i find is like i'm listening to like ben greenfield podcasts and you know joe rogan here and there obviously um they'll they'll have you know good guests on but then like rogan's all over the carnivore diet now he like just eats meat and i'm like well that's definitely not going to be healthy for you to a certain degree and like but but how are these experts writing about this and talking about 
like like I like it it almost like fa- it's unfathomable. It's it's like it's so contradictory to what you would think. Like they're they're telling you why walnuts and almonds might be bad for you. And you're like, man, like this is gonna blow someone's head off. Like I'm someone who's fairly knowledgeable in, in all this stuff, and I'm like, even for me, I'm like, this is almost angering me to listen to because I'm like now you're telling me that almonds are like bad for you, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't mm-hmm. do this. So like, what like what how how is that happening? How are experts? Yeah. Well, and you take, when you take a message like that and, you know, maybe your first instinct is to be very skeptical and like, okay, well, where's, you know, what, where's the hard evidence behind that? But a lot of people listen to those, you know, especially someone like Joe Rogan or, um, you know, some of these really kind of prominent figures, um, and, you know, they listen to that and then they just take it to heart. Okay. Got to do this. Like, instead of digging into you know, going to a different source. And I will say like so many, the majority of books that you find on diet are all by doctors, right? It's like a doctor, people are like, oh, well, he's a doctor. It's like, do you know how many nutrition classes are in med school, like are included in that med school? Like maybe one, if if this, like they are not, you don't see a lot of di- registered dietitians um, writing books like that, where like, um, you know, anti-gluten, anti-grains, anti anti-meat pro meat like all these things like it's that you'll never i don't think you know or in very rare scenarios will you find a registered dietitian who i would i would i would say are you know your true nutrition experts Mm -hmm. they've gone through so much schooling um and dug through so like it's it's very much an evidence-based um you know nutrition approach and so there's a reason why you don't see a lot of registered dietitians writing books like that where it's just so extreme cause a little stir and then people Mm -hmm. you know you have a following or or people or people are so anti what you're doing but yeah it's it's unfortunate that that we have so many mixed messages out there for people to have to navigate through on their own yeah and like i think the more you take in sometimes the more confusing it gets and then you're yeah (laughs) then you're left literally if you took all the foods that people have written books about okay can't eat meat (laughs) <laughs> should, shouldn't eat shouldn't eat fruit shouldn't eat nuts and almonds uh we've got to eat paleo so like no grains no beans you're literally left with no food and i think really people what people ought to do and it's just hard to do this um but you know people really need to understand that you know you're every individual is so unique what what sits well with you and what's tolerable to you and what works for you i know it, it sounds so cliche but it's it is so true and like if you, you know, if, if you're not intolerant to dairy and you've tried taking out, you've added it back in, great, have dairy. Like, you know, if you, if you are feeling at your best without meat and, you know, totally plant-based, you know, then go that route. So it, it, I feel like people are, there's no right and wrong. Yet mm-hmm. People always want to have like a right and wrong side to every debate. Um, and no one, it seems like so many people aren't okay with a gray area. I think people just, I think people want like a definitive answer. They want, they want to, they want to be told like, this is the the good approach. This is the bad Mm -hmm. approach. Like we don't, we don't Mm -hmm. want to have to decipher. We want the wishy-washy. Yeah, exactly. No, we we, we want Karina to tell you do this. Then you're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and unfortunately that's, um, you know, the same way people come to me, it's like, okay, well, cool. I just want a meal plan. Tell me what to eat. I'll follow it. And I'm like, I'm not going to write you a meal plan. Like I, the, I, I mean, in some cases I will, but I'll explain that in a second. But like with, with meal plans, 
can you sustainably follow a meal plan for, you know, years, decades? Like, is, is that something, you know, once fast forward two, three years down the road, is that still something you're going to be following? Like, I would hope not. And I don't think that's sustainable. And so why would, I, why would we spend so much time, you know, of our relationship working together on a meal plan when we could just teach you how to structure your day and structure your meals so that it aligns with, you know, what's best for your health, what gives you enjoyment and, you know, what's going to, and if you're performance-based or looking to achieve a specific goal, you know, is it aligning with those things? And so I will write out a, a meal template, whether that's one or three days worth for people, for my clients, if, if that's, if we find that that would be helpful for them, not to, not for them to follow verbatim, but for them to be like, oh, okay, like here's, here's some ideas. Here's maybe how a typical structure might, might work for me and my schedule and my lifestyle. And then, okay. So, you know, at the end of the day, you're looking at a meal with, with protein, fat, carbs, veggies. Um, and you know, how does that breakdown look depending on, you know, your, your individual goals. And so once you kind of, once you sort of zoom in on it that way, I think it becomes a lot easier for people. It's like, why, why restrict so many things that Mm -hmm. you don't have to just, just for the sake of tracking them or just for the sake of, um, you know, following a specific template to a T. So that's, that's, I, I'm kind of anti, anti uh, meal plan in that regard, just because I, I want people to understand why something like that plan is beneficial for them, as opposed to feeling like they're locked into, mm-hmm. you know, a five a rotation of five different foods for, you know, however long they can sustain that. And I, and I think from like a psychological standpoint, that is the healthiest standpoint. Like, like you can't give someone all those restrictions and, and put them on a to do, uh, not to do list. It's just not how humans really work. It's like, as if you were to give someone, you know, 10 goals tomorrow, but Hey, you're going to sleep at this time. You're going to intermittent fast. You're going to exercise for an hour. You're going to wake up and meditate. You're going to journal at night. You, you do that to somebody and like, they're all great things to do, but yeah. if you overwhelm the system, they're going to, they're just going to give up. It's going to be too much right at once. So if you make it easy and you make it like you can turn it into some habitual um, positive steps, it's like now you're actually going to see some, some long-term results. Right. Right. And the education piece is so big to me too. Like if I'm working with a client, I want them to understand why we're doing certain things, why we're focusing on, you know, every talk to most of my clients every 10 days or so. And so, um, you know, we set very small goals, like kind of like what you're saying, very, maybe one or two goals to aim to, to work on for the next 10 days. And then, you know, we continue to build off from that as they master those, those goals, but they also need to understand like, okay, why are they doing this? What's, what's the importance of, you know, increasing your fiber intake? Why, you know, why am I spacing out my meals, you know, this way, as opposed to a, a different way. And a lot of that, a lot of that time, or a lot of that is individualized to, to meet that specific individual's needs and depending on their schedule and whatnot. But I really like to help people feel empowered with their own choice, you know, de- decision-making. Um, Cause I want them to not want me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want them to not want to work with me or not need me, you know, months and or a year or so down the road. Like if, if, if a year has gone by and you still feel like you need to work with me, for kind of basic nutrition, um, goals and, and whatnot, like then I haven't done my job. Cause mm-hmm. I, I want you to feel like, Hey, cool. I've got, I've got the tools, 
you know, in my toolbox, I'm ready to take on, you know, my nutrition on my own. And then I'm sure I'm always here. You need to check back in or need that accountability. But if, but if that education piece is missing, then that's a failure on my end. Mm -hmm. So basically you're trying to, you're teaching people how to fish. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly what I'm doing. Not, not going to give them the fish, not going to tell them which fish to eat per se. (laughs) It's, uh, but, but yeah, so it's, it's been a, it's been fun to just work with a variety of people, whether they're athletes or, you know, just recreational gym goers or, you know, people with some pretty severe, um, you know, medical, uh, conditions, you know, and working around those and, and, you know, it's not like, it's not necessarily like I have all the answers, but I'm going to be there through the process with them to help provide that education base. And then, you know, find a, find a program or find a strategy that's going to, you know, work for them. Amazing. I love it. So going off of, uh, we talked a little bit about, you don't necessarily ca- count calories here and there. Um, obviously you have a general idea cause it's just, this is your, your world. Um, yeah. now you have, for people that aren't listening or viewing this from video and they're just hearing this, um, check Karina out. She's in amazing shape. Obviously you were just uh, nominated for Miss Health and uh, Fitness. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was Miss, Miss Health and Fitness. That was a, it's a long competition. I did not make the um, quarterfinals, but I mean, it started in May, I think, June. Yeah, I think it was June. Wow. And they still haven't, like, they'll decide the, the winner in October, end of October. So it was a long, it's a long time to, you know, now mind you, it's a popularity, it's, it's essentially a popularity contest. So, I, I mean, you have to, in order to have the support and the votes, you know, ideally you would be someone who backs that up a little bit with, you know, who, who'd be deserving of the title. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's very much voter based. And so, unfortunately, I can't just beat some people at a certain competition and win that. But it was, it was great to see the support. And I really appreciated making it that far in the competition. Yeah, like that's a, even to be nominated is obviously a hell of an accomplishment. Like that. <laughs> so and now, now and going off of that, so women in, in general here we're going to talk about for a second, scared to put on muscle. Yes, you are an OCR athlete. You're a Spartan athlete. You need to be strong. You need to be physically fit. You are going to have more lean muscle tissue than the average woman. That that's just that's your occupation, right? You're not right. behind a desk. You are running. You're lifting. You're doing. You're moving all day long. So. And, but again, what I was going to say off that, sorry, was that you still have a feminine look. Like you're still like, obviously you're just, you're just, you look strong, like you're fit. Um, and I think a lot of girls might be scared that they're going to put on muscle and just become like massive, which again, I wish that was the case. I wish I could, Mm -hmm. I could hit the gym and become massive in a year. Um, not the case. And I got a lot of testosterone and it's still not happening. I'm still buck, (laughs) still buck 75. I'm not 200 pounds walking around. Um, so for you, like how, how did you monitor nutrition wise to put on muscle? Because you can't be in a deficit where you, were you, were you right. monitoring that surplus? What I'm curious on what you were eating, not food wise necessarily, uh, cause we, cause we, we decided that's a little bit uh, more subjective, but were you in a, in a high surplus? Again, you are burning a lot of calories per day too, but just take me a little bit through it to give people some, some understanding that they're trying to put on some lean muscle tissue. It takes mm-hmm a surplus and it takes you eating to, to match the lifting efforts. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is, is, you know, and especially for, for women to understand is like, yeah, you, you can't be eating like a bird and expect to 
oh, if I, if I pick up that barbell at the gym, I'm just going to blow up. Like, like you said, you wish, and, and I'm sure many people wish this, but wish that were the case, but that it's not. And so I find with a lot of females, especially like, you know, the female clients that I work with, they're constantly under eating. And, and, and not only is that detrimental to their performance, but you know, they're, they're working so hard maybe in the gym and not seeing the results from a, you know, everyone wants to, Oh, I just want to, tone my, you know, I want to, I want to tone. That's my favorite, my favorite line, but, um, you know, building lean muscle mass or, or leaning out, if you will, in my, in, if you want to, you hear that a lot too. But I think that, um, like you said, you know, you muscle is, you know, muscle requires additional calories. And so if you're in a deficit, there's, no way that you can build that and also you're you're kind of starving your muscles so that you're you're not even able to achieve your optimum performance in that deficit and i think that's the biggest thing for me i i I love when an athlete comes to me with performance goals because i'm like great now they're not just they're not focused on the aesthetics they're really itching to work harder in the gym and guess what when you can work harder in the gym and achieve that better performance all of a sudden the the muscles you know, develop a little bit more. You see, you see that, that muscle tone that is everyone is essentially looking for. And so for me personally, that was, I have never been aesthetically driven. Like, of course I love, you know, oh, I would love, you know, the abs. I want to get this bigger, but it was never, that was never, it just kind of happened. And I was so focused on performance that it was just like, wow, this is, this is the new me. And like, I, and, and I wasn't like scared, you know, I wasn't scared of having muscle. I think it helps help that I'm, uh, I'm one of, I have three brothers and we're all very close in age. And so muscles have never really like <laughs> intimidated me or anything, but really, um, you know, I started getting to CrossFit a little bit when I was in college. Um, I was doing club triathlon at the time at Virginia tech and doing a lot of running, a lot of biking, a lot of swimming. And then I stumbled upon this CrossFit and I started incorporating more weight training in it and all of a sudden I started putting on a little bit more muscle and before you know it I mean this didn't happen overnight but um you know I went from being really skinny and small like 120 uh, all of a sudden to like 135 and I was just fueling myself for for the you know the work that I was doing I was I was hungrier and I listened to my body for that and I was saw that I was performing better in the gym I was being I was running faster and further and so that really just motivated me to listen to my body, take care of my body. It's sending me these signals, like these hunger signals, um, you know, I need to listen to it. And I also, with my education and nutrition, I know that, you know, oh, for recovery, you know, those, that nutrition is really important for fueling. That nutrition is really important for just overall health. Like I need to be mindful about the things I eat, but, you know, eating on a consistent basis. And so it really just having those performance goals really drove um, you know, drove what I did in the kitchen. And then that ultimately resulted in, you know, kind of the way I, my, my physique right now. And so, yeah, I, I've never really been, I, I always get asked if I do bodybuilding and I'm always like, I just have boxy shoulders. Like, ah, no, I don't do that. But I, and I, I never do. And I would never really want to. And I say that not to, not to be, um, you know, negative in terms of, you know, for anyone who does that, just because I, it's, it is an art and it is, it was incredibly challenging, but I don't think it aligns with, you know, with good health and, and, and kind of long-term health. 
Um, and, I, and I won't train anyone through a bodybuilding competition. Like if they're trying to cut for a competition, unless they want to do it my way, um, you know, that's, <laughs> which they normally don't, um, you know, that's just not an area that I, I am not about eating and, and tracking to the, to the exact morsel and laying out a meal plan, a very bland meal plan j- just for, um, you know, just to get to you at your leanest only to feel the need to go right back in the other direction again. And so I feel like I've worked with several former bodybuilders that need the help getting back into a healthy, wow. okay. know, yeah. a healthy nutrition, state of nutrition and, and healthy <clears throat> mindset. I feel like their mindset is so wrecked, you know, on top of their hormones as well. But like, you know, everything's just so wrecked after several years of competing in that world. So yeah, I don't know if that answered your question oh, yeah. directly, but I, but I feel like that has, I, I think if more people are, focused on performance and what a better there's no better kind of indicator performance indicator um or yeah i guess there's just no better way to me to track progress than to make it performance based because you know you could look at the scale but it's like that would get you feeling down i feel like you gain lean muscle masses which is what you're trying to do if you're trying to um you know see muscle definition mm-hmm. um you know then and that scale could be really demoralizing and you could really be what, well, like I said, if I had been tracking my weight and I saw that I'd gained 15 pounds, I would have been mortified, but it's like, I, I wasn't focused on that. And you know, it's, it was, it turned out to be a, you know, very healthy gain in, in muscle mass and just overall, you know, weight. So that's kind of my yeah, take. That, <laughs> that makes sense. That, that makes, that <laughs> makes, no, take. no, that makes sense. Like I even tell my clients and I, t- I tell my girlfriend, I'm like, if, we're trying to put on muscle. I'm like, one thing we can focus on is just getting stronger. Like if you get stronger and you're performing better in the gym, you're going to have more muscle. Like you're not going to go from, you know, a 120 pound squat to a 200 pound squat without putting muscle on. Like it just it isn't going to happen, right? Like you're right. going to get stronger and you're going to see everything else improve. But if those performance goals aren't being achieved, then we, we make some adjustments and then we, we correct a few things. But being so right. focused on yeah, like just, just building muscle can get very debilitating, um, and stressful. So it's just like, okay, like, even though, yes, you're, you're going towards strength, strength is much easier to manage and is performance at the end of the day, right? Just perform Mm -hmm. better with greater intensity, more frequency, and and things will, will probably go, go in your favor, right? Yeah. And something I wanted to add to, to that is like, um, I think especially women, they're, when if you're following a strength program and i see a lot like i'm working with a client she has been doing a lot of banded strength programs because especially with covid but now she's back in the gym and so you know we talked about you know even though i'm more focusing on her nutrition i was looking at her her programming i was like you know what i think you know i'd really like to see you on like a more you know now that you're back in the gym a more like weight weight training program and for her and for, for anyone, I think like if you have a certain amount of sets and reps that you're doing, it is so important to challenge yourself in that rep scheme. Like if I'm doing a five by five back squat, I'm not just going to stay at an easy like, oh, yeah, it's kind of challenging. But like, you know, I'm just going to rep these out and move through this workout. It's what's so important for developing that that additional muscle and muscle mass and, you know, building strength is to work, you know, okay, you're feeling good today. Like look, work up to a, your heavy, not, not quite a five rep max, but maybe like two reps to failure. Mm-hmm. Um, but like 
go your heaviest that you can go today. Um, and I think especially for women, they're like, they tend to, oh, if I'm doing dumbbells, I'm going to stick with my 15 pound dumbbells. And they just always, it's 15 pound dumbbells all the time. It's like, well, how many, how many months have you been using those 15 pound dumbbells for that many sets? Like, yeah, you, you need to go up and weigh and challenge yourself a little bit more. Or if it's for, um, high, a high amount of reps or for max reps, like, push yourself to go till failure. Like I really do think, mm-hmm. you know, that that's key for, and, and I think that a lot of people um, like to stay in their comfort zone when it comes to that. So I always record all my workouts and I like to put the weights I did and my time for a certain workouts. So that when I go back, it's like, Oh, I did, you know, five by five back squat at, you know, 200 pounds last week. So let me, let me see how 205 feels today. And you're not always going to have that linear progression of always being able to go up by a bit, but at least you know where you're at so that you can push yourself instead of staying in your comfort zone a little bit. Yeah, and also what that does, which is an amazing point, so thank you for bringing that up, um, but it keeps things exciting. Like, it keeps a phase and weeks of training. Like, it keep, it makes every day, like, a, a competition. Like, and I, yeah. I, I tell my, like, and that's why, like, I think I just... I, I obviously love working on this is my field this is what I do as an occupation but I, when I tell talk to clients I'm like every day should be like really fun for you because it's like we're trying to progress on last week or we're trying to progress yeah. on yesterday and if you go in being like okay well like I'm gonna do three sets by eight for with 15 pounds a day it's like well don't why be hungrier right be driven be excited mm-hmm. behind it yeah if we got five by five today be like man like I I go in there I'm like I want to I want to get five more pounds on there you know again we know it's not going to be a linear progression week to week um, but at the same time, like it's at least a fun challenge. You fail that day is what it is, but you challenge yourself. It's still very stimulating rather than sticking to that consistent weight, rep, set, repeat. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're repeating those con, if you're like switching between like, yeah, five upper body movements, five lower body movements, like, yeah, you better change up those reps games and you better, you know, challenge yourself continuously, like on those if you are repeating the same rep schemes too, like, you know, find that upper, that upper end. And, you know, it's, it's okay to be grabbing those heavier weights. I think it's, it's intimidating for ladies. I remember sophomore year in college was when I first started um, going into the weight room. I had never, it was so funny. I'd never been in a weight room before and there's just guys everywhere and it's intimidating. And you're like, I don't want to look stupid. And, you know, like, I, and it just—I think it's just so empowering to be able to like, a, know what you're doing, know how to move well, mm-hmm. but you know, grab grab the heavier weight. Like, don't be don't be shy. Really, like, own that because, um, you know, that's that's what's going to make you better, and that's what all the guys are doing too. And it's like, you know, you're not going to look like a guy just because you, you know, are working in the same, you know, in the similar weights as them. So. No. Yeah. Great point. Um, so let's get a little bit into how do you structure your day? How, how right now? Uh, cause I think a lot of people will have a hard time and they're going to say, well, yeah, she does this for a living. Okay. I do it for a living too. But again, I still need to structure. There's a lot of element moving elements and I, I still get my training in and I, and I figure it out and I, and I compete and you compete. So how do you structure your day? And, and from a balance standpoint, how do you get, you know, time out in nature, time with the boyfriend, time with family, Netflix time, all the fun stuff. How, how do you balance? How do you structure your day so you're living as optimal as you as you can? Yeah, and and I so I'm kind of got my hands in a couple different cookie jars right now, which has been fun for you know from a work standpoint. But it also allows for some flexibility with my schedule. But then it also you know and as something that maybe you um, deal with too, it's kind of hard to draw that line, especially with clients. It's like oh, I you know 
these people can talk after work. So it's like, oh, now it's five, six, seven p.m., maybe eight p.m., and you're still taking some client calls, and that's kind of bleeding into your own personal time or boyfriend time or whatnot. And so, um, you know, that's always still a challenge. But for me, I've, you know, first and foremost, as a nutrition coach, like I've got my own um, consulting practice, and you know, I have clients client calls kind of all sporadically throughout the day, but I, um, recently joined a, the coaching staff at a nonprofit gym community center called fit to recover for individuals in, you know, addiction and substance recovery from substance misuse. And so, um, I did some work with a couple different treatment centers in my grad school out here in Utah. And so I got connected with this, community center um and they were looking for another part-time trainer and i just really missed this was all kind of um as covid stuff was kind of lifting up a little bit and i didn't know we're still very very much in the thick of it right now but um you know when gyms were starting to open back up a little bit so i just kind of missed that community aspect coming into physical contact with people or at least seeing people and i was like you know what? i haven't coached in a couple of years like i really missed that i'd love to take on a couple classes you know a week and so I became, you know, I joined the coaching staff there. So I just coach a handful of classes each morning. Um, but then they just, um, their dietitian left. And so I took up their dietitian job there. It's part-time, but it's kind of like, I've got that. I got my own nutrition consulting coach in the morning. So it's kind of a, it's a busy schedule, but it's, you know, there's holes kind of throughout the day where I can fit some stuff in, but my time management, I find that the busier I am, the more, okay, dialed in with my time that I, that I am and same with nutrition like okay I'm gonna be out for four hours like I need to I need to make sure that I've got a good nutrition plan so you know right now schedule is you know wake up I coach 6 30 a.m and and eight o'clock class so I have um you know have a little bit of time to I like getting my workout done with in the morning just because things can go awry the rest of the day so I like tackling that early on um, so usually I'll, I'll work out after that. And honestly, it's not like, especially if it's in the gym, it's not, it's not for that long. Like maybe in there for an hour and a half to two hours. It's different when I'm, um, you know, if I'm mid season, but this year has been a little bit of a, a scratch with competition. So right now it's like, okay, like sometimes it's a 30 minute conditioning piece and I just work really hard and get after it. And that's like all I have for the day. And you know, that's that. And I'm, I don't dwell on it. It's, it's what I can do. And other, like I said, other days, there's rest, there's complete rest days. And I'm, I've just come to be really accepting of, you know, whatever it is I've got time for that day or whatever it is I'm doing and give it a hundred percent or what I have to give for that day. And then I don't, I don't sweat it. If that's not exactly what I wanted to get through, you know, in the day it's all right. You know what? Let's, let's readjust, reassess. Let's see where I could have made up a little bit more time and, you know, maybe restructure my day to make allow for a little bit more time to devote to that um so i take a lot of client calls throughout the day um evenings are definitely like you know time time with my boyfriend time to cook a good meal together time to relax and so yeah like i said drawing that line of okay where does the client call stop where does our you Mm -hmm. know nighttime evening routine begin that's it's a little it's a little bit of a gray area but we're working on getting better at that and i think it's just um like I said, time management is really important and key right now. And I don't, I'm not on my phone a whole lot. Like that's really the, the nice part. I just don't really have time to do, um, you know, ton of social media or just like goofing off online. And I think that's been really 
healthy in some ways. Like I'm still on there, but it's just nice to, and you find like you have so much more time in your day to, yeah. to read or to get outside and do something, go to the park. And so that's something that my boyfriend and I are really working on a lot these days is more us time, more time with nature, less, you know, being fixated on other people's lives and trying to be nosy about that. You know, it's like, I'm, I feel the best when I'm living my best life. And that means doing not yeah. <laughs> So, But I think that's a challenge that kind of a lot of people, a lot of us face right now and go through phases. Right. Um, so. It's yeah, it's tough, and we're gonna take a two two second break here because we're almost at a time on the camera here, and then we're gonna loop back in. Okay, one second. Back part two. Um, yeah, like going off that, it's it's a really hard thing. You with me, Karina? There. All good. Yeah, I'm here. Um, it is a really really yeah. hard thing in terms of, and I and I love what you said because like not scrolling, but like living living your life right and, and doing, and it's so hard because you you don't notice it and it kind of seeps into your subconscious but you're like when I, when you do something like sometimes your first indication is like okay i need to go and post about what i did and you're like this is so wild like wh- like shouldn't i have just enjoyed what i did rather than having to share it and show that i'm enjoying my like it's a very weird contrast that i'm I, i've it's been so super aware of now that i'm almost getting like man like you need to do and i'm not on it a lot either but i'm like i've i frequently think okay well i just did a work i'm gonna post and i'm like shit i don't want it to be like that all the time even though yes it's a business yeah. and it's a branding and i know i got to be there a little bit but it's just it's it's a it's really odd it's and it's um it's a hard balance it's a yeah it's a it's a hard balance and it's it's such a hey look at me culture right like oh everyone's so excited to to show off like what they're doing or what and it's just it's yeah it's such a it's a such a weird time that we're in now with with social media but you can't you can't blame anyone because mo- <laughs> chances are like most people are doing the same thing but I just find that the more I step back from it a little bit um just I'm just happier like you're not comparing like you don't you know you have so many things to be grateful for in your everyday life and I almost find and this year has been particularly just interesting in general but like you know, I just find stuff on my feet I'm like this isn't making me feel like very good or uplifted or positive mm-hmm. I feel like I could do more by just staying off of it and and, and coming into content so and something that like I said I, I've been working on it's hard you know as an athlete or a business man or woman like you know you, you have some sort of obligation for sponsorships or just for drawing business to yourself so i also feel like you know there's there's that role that it plays and you can't neglect that but at the same time like you don't want to be doing things at the expense of your you know your your happiness or your um you know just your quality of life so um i continue to and i will continue to work on finding that balance but i think that's it's okay to I think people should acknowledge that more. It's like, hey, it's okay to kind of take a break and step back from it, and, or just like acknowledge that it's changing you in some ways, and maybe for the worse. And maybe you need to take a little break and reflect, and mm-hmm. then come back to it with a little bit more of a an active mind. Like, um, yeah. So, no. 
I won't continue more on that, but that's uh, that's kind of what it's just stuff I've been chewing on lately. No, it's true. That, that, was, that was well put. And, and just to finish off your goal setting, because this is something that I you just talked about. You kind of got into a new role that you were you're, you were missing. You're back into training some people, and I kind of got back into fitness consulting in a gym as well. And I've obviously what I do is I sit down and I, I consult with a new member and I, and I try to get them on the right path towards their goals and, and break down maybe hurdles or potential hurdles they're going to, they're going to, uh, come by. And it's been a lot of fun doing that. And like, it's brought my, my mindset back to goal setting for myself. And it's like, wow, like it's so powerful when you really start telling all the stuff that you're telling other people to do. You're like, man, like this is stuff I should be doing a lot more of and I'd be way more productive. Oh, yeah. Um, what is, what are some things that you do in terms of, goal setting and how, how maybe strategies that you use to to make sure that yeah you do accomplish your goal at the end of the year or those micro goals mm-hmm. yeah I, I like to have I mean this is the first year <clears throat> that I haven't really had any type of big event although it's shaping up to be a little bit exciting um I can't can't quite delve on that uh, at this time but there, there's there's a <laughs> there's always you know, I always find that even if I don't have something specific set out there, I get motivated by the potential, the potential competition or the potential event that's going to loom in my future. And it could be, it could just randomly pop up at any time, but I like to be ready. And I like to know that like, I have the confidence in my ability to, to step up to the plate when, when it arrives, even if I don't know, you know, I didn't really know about it. And I feel like in, um, I don't know, in my sport or in my kind of scene of fitness, this hybrid of like functional fitness with obstacles, with you know, a little triathlon kind of deal thrown in there. Like there's, there's just a lot of stuff out there. Like there's, they're coming up with some pretty creative events, whether that's Spartan race or, um, you know, just, just kind of rant or, or even like some of those TV shows that are just yeah. kind of pop up that are very much, um, adventure based. And, and I feel like, um, again, I just, am someone who just, don't really have to have that all planned out. Like, Oh, I need like a four month advance notice so I can train for it. My kind of mindset is, you know, stay, stay fit. You don't have to, or, or stay healthy or stay, you know, just ma- maintain a, a somewhat high level of fitness, like for, for myself. So that when things come up, I feel like, okay, maybe a little bit of fine tuning, but you know, maybe it's weeks instead of months so that, you know, I'm ready to go. Um, so for my goal setting, I, th- I think it's, I do like having events or competitions like out in the future to train for, but like right now I still find motivation in my training because I know that there are things that I just itch for a competition every now and then I know that there's right now, there might not be anything, but I know there's going to be one coming out there and I, and I want to give it my best. And like in a place like Utah, it's so easy to be challenged by the terrain or by, you know, hikes that we have around here or, or, running or biking and so I find like I'm really excited and interested in activities that kind of challenge me whether it's mentally or physically or emotionally or all three of them so it's um yeah I feel like and and with my boyfriend too he's kind of that way too so we kind of like to tackle big challenges like if we don't have a race coming up it's like oh let's do this gnarly like hike or run or mountain bike this weekend we can like prepare for that put some good hours on our feet or on our legs and just kind of pound them, but enjoy the process of climbing that mountain or, you know, getting to that destination. Very cool. Now, when's, when's your first ultra? Have you, have you taken an ultra on yet? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't, but I was like, I was telling you. All the stuff you were saying is like, go do one. 
I know, I know, I really do. And I, I think I get a little intimidated with so much focus on one move, like one thing, like with the running, like it's, it, that's a lot of focus on the running and I love running, but I'm such a, I like swimming. I like biking. I like, I like the functional fitness. I love throwing around weights. So I know you can still do all that cross training and you should probably for yeah. a, a sport that requires, you know, a lot of time on, on feet, but yeah, I, I, I'm inching back towards like the more endurance phase. I would say like when I was in 2014, when I was doing that, um, when I did the Spartan world championship, that was probably the most endurance focus that I was. And then I drifted away from that to the more CrossFit approach. And now I'm kind of heading back in the other direction. So I would, I, I will eventually, I'm sure work my way there. So, yeah, they're, uh, but they're, like, they're, oh, go ahead. they're just super addicting. Cause again, like how old are you by the way? I'm 27. Okay, 27. So I just yeah. got into endurance. Like, so I played football in university and I wrestled in university and I, and I weightlifted. Okay. So, like, I never ran like a 5K prior to 28 years old. I was like, okay. a sprint, 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 and explosiveness. Um, and I was looking for a year of like craziness. And then ultras was obviously like, like you said, the mental, the emotional, the physical. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's been wild because it's just, but it's really fun because you're like, it's such a challenge from all those elements, right? And again, like you said, I haven't given up all the other things. Like I still swim, I still bike, I still do jujitsu, I still lift. Like so I still do all my life, and I live my life, and I'm not trying to win the ultras. But um, it's just like, yeah, like it's such a cool challenge, right? But you, you have enough going. A, you have enough going on, anyways. Well, I think it's a fun place to be in when you're not competing for a like for your career, right? Like for for a yeah. salary, and I have. For, you know, there are friends in the obstacle course racing world that that is what they do and that's how they earn their income. And I feel like the moment I decided, okay, nutrition and dietetics is going to be my career. I'm going to still compete and I, you know, still like still professionally racing, racing, but I'm not so tied up in that where it drags out the fun in it. I feel like I can't do, or I feel like I can't do like a bunch of other stuff in there. So really at this point, a lot of my the competitions that I'm really interested in doing are not ones that are like, Oh, that's an easy win for me. Like I'll put it on my resume. It's, it's, wow. Is this gonna, is this something that's testing me that I haven't really been tested in before? And that's what I was telling you about the eco challenge that I applied for. And, you know, hopefully I hear back and we'll get to do that next year. But I mean, a 10 day adventure race is something I have never come close to in my like, six, six years of really competitive racing. And that scares the shit out of me. And, that makes me want to do it. Like I'm at this point where I'm like, I've done a whole lot of different types of things. What, what else is there that can, you know, shape me into, um, you know, a better athlete, but also a better person or a better, like more well-rounded in, in so many different ways. And what's going to challenge me to, to apply all this mental strength that I've been, you know, training for, um, and really test some limits. And so I, I, that's what I've kind of been geared toward lately is, you know, testing those limits, doing stuff that is totally new and getting outside my comfort zone. So that's, I think that's kind of like my next big thing is trying to take on some new stuff, which ultra running could definitely fall. Well, fall the eco, the sure. eco challenge is an ultra run just yeah. <laughs> at a magnified <laughs> pace. Maybe, maybe some other disciplines thrown in there too. But that's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. And here's a tough question I want to throw at you. So if you had to pick, because you do so many different things and you're so aerobically anaerobically fit, if you were to say your go-to, you had to pick one anaerobic exercise to do the rest of your life, okay? 
and one aerobic, what would you choose? Would it be hill running? Would it be biking? Would it be sprinting? Would it be whatever? Or then on the lift side of things, what's your go-to? The lift one's hard because there's so many. But yeah. what, what's the biggest bang for your buck that you found in your training? That's kind of like your go-to. You're like, this has got me to the level of optimal fitness. You know, I've been doing a ton of mountain biking lately. Okay. And I just, I'm loving it. And I find that I mean, there's a lot of translation from, you know, to, to running and just, uh, you know, like my, my legs, I think of, they're contending with as strong. I mean, not, not necessarily from like a squatting standpoint, I feel like I've gone down a bit in, in, in my squatting capacity, but like, I feel like my legs are so strong. And a lot of that is due to a lot of my, the mountain biking. And because we have some giant hills around here. So <laughs> yeah. you're, when you're biking, you are climbing for 10 plus miles and then um but then you know i love the downhill too so i feel like it's a great like um you know put in some hard work get an awesome reward like fly on the downhills and that's just that's just been really fun for me like in my spirit these days i could just really have a ball with that so i'd probably say for aerobic it would be mountain biking um and then lift what you know there's two things. I'm loving pull-ups these days. Mm-hmm. And my boyfriend has me on this, like, this pull-up matrix plan that's, like, several weeks long. And I just feel, like, so strong in my pull-ups now. So I... What is it? What's what's the matrix consist of? What are you, what are you banging Well, on? it's it's the... So it's called, like, the Jeff... Oh, I forget. Jeff Nichols matrix. It's, like, he's a military... He's a, I think he's a former, like, special forces um, guy. But he's kind of come up with, like... So it's... Um, you do a max set of pull-ups on day one just to see like what your max is then you take 25 percent of that so let's say you could do um oh gosh i'm bad with math do an even let's say you did 20 yeah let's say your your max is 20 i think yeah let's say it's 20 so um 25 percent of that so that would be five pull-ups so you (laughs) knock out five you you time yourself doing your five pull-ups or your 25 percent so let's say that's 10 seconds so 10 seconds is your rest time. And then he spits out his matrix, spits out these reps for you to do with, with a 10 second rest between. So like my sets are six, six, five, four, four, 10, three, three, three. So it's like, I don't know how many, I think it's like, and, and each week it adds on like the 10 thrown in there is like from week two, but then there's other weeks there. He just adds an additional set of something or throws in something else in there. So you're increasing each week on the amount of total pull-ups, but you know, you're, so I can do all those sets. The 10 gets a little challenging, but you know, I can do six, but then you're only getting 10 seconds of rest between, and then you do six again and then 10 seconds rest and then five. And so it's very short rest Mm -hmm. time, but ideally if you're going off of your true max, you should be able to, um, you know, still hit those numbers. So, but, but again, that's like that rest time is, is, is the most challenging part of course. Um, so he does that for pushups, he does it for pull-ups, he does it for sit-ups. So I'm doing that for pushups and pull-ups and I'm in, enjoying that. Cool. Um, and then legless rope climbs, I find that totally applies Ooh. to it. So that's a, that's a fun movement for me. And now that I've done, been doing so many pull-ups, I just like, I think back to my CrossFit days, I'm like, damn, I wish I had this pulling <laughs> strength when I was, you know, doing all those competitions. But yeah, so that's been that's been fun. I don't know if that, that counts, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. That counts. hundred okay, percent. Cool. That's, that's a hell of a, hell of a choice. Good job there. Um, cool. and last question I got for you back to uh, your, your parent saying that your dad put you through some stuff when you're younger. <laughs> what is the best advice or lesson that 
mom or dad's or parents gave you throughout your childhood that's allowed you to to prosper and live a, live a happy, successful life? I think it was this concept of, you know, earned, not given. Like this thing of if you, you want something, you know, you, you got to work hard for it. And I think my brothers would joke that I didn't work as hard as they did when I was younger. They're always like, yeah, we'd be mowing or weed eating and you'd be like tanning tanning out on the back deck and I was like you know there were some perks of being the only girl like I did have to do some stuff but we we, you know we grew up on a pretty big horse farm and there were always there's there's always stuff to do for like that we had no property maintenance crew like it was us there's four of us like perfect so um and my dad actually my brothers one of my brothers and I was were arguing one time and so he tied our hands together with some baling twine for our hay bales and made us weed the entire yard tied together. And <laughs> like, it was just like, it's such a great lesson. I think back to that, like, that was a great story, but I mean, it's just kind of this thing where, you know, it was, I, I think that instilled just a really good work ethic for us. So, you know, and, and you know, when it came to manners or just, you know, doing something right the first time and effectively the first time, like there were repercussions if, you know, that, that wasn't, you know, he held us to a high standard and I, and he continues to do so, but I, I really appreciate that. Cause I feel like it's, that's missing a lot of, you know, in today's, today's world. And, and, um, yeah, so, so I appreciate that. And I think that when I complain or when I have a little whiny voice in my head, when I'm doing something hard or, you know, like just suffering a little bit, it's like, you know, I know I can kind of shut that voice up and like, you know, what? all right, we got to just going to power through this. And I think a lot of that was was a result of just the way my parents raised me. Amazing. I think that that's a that's a hell of a lesson. And I think you're you're 100 yeah. percent right in terms of I think that's something that is lacking nowadays. And it, mm-hmm. it is a great, uh, great lesson to apply to, to anyone, anyone's life who's listening to this. So. Karina, this has been amazing. Uh, again, I could probably talk to you for another hour or two, but <laughs> yeah, we got we got life to live. So, where can people find you, follow you if they if you have, if you're taking clients and they need help, yeah. advice? Uh, where can people get a hold of you? Yeah, so um, I do have a website. It's uh, www.therd.athlete.com. So, so that is my personal kind of nutrition coaching. Um, website and I am always happy to to um, take on new clients at least for now so um, yeah anyone can there's a message form on there and you can contact me that way I also have that in my Instagram profile um, so my Instagram is CS coffin 13 and I you know like I said even though I even though we had a nice conversation about social media like I still like being somewhat active on there it's just I need to take a step back and not make it like you said we don't need, I don't need to do something and then feel the need to post it and share that with the world. Always. There's some things that are just nice to, to keep to yourself or between you and the people that you're doing that activity with. And, you know, you don't need this cry for attention of like, look at what I'm doing. Um, but, but I am, you know, I, I do like to trying to think about like just making good quality posts uh, mm-hmm. these days. So definitely, you can find me on there. You'll probably see a lot of videos of my boyfriend doing funny stuff. He's he's an entertaining guy, so I like to video <laughs> him and, and make and post <laughs> about him. Go. That's fun. But uh, he's good. He's nice to look at, so that might be enjoyable. <laughs> <with> people. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But um, yeah, I'd say those two are probably my my uh, top two for ways to reach me. 
Beautiful. And, and, yeah. and, with, and with that being said, everybody, go on your social media for hours of a day and post yeah. and reshare this content. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. No, but this was awesome. Uh, again, guys, um, I was so glad to have Kareen on. And again, definitely check it out. Feel free to share, like, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you.